Hello, this is Tim, the lead pastor of Mosaic Portland, and welcome to the Mosaic Portland podcast. We exist to follow Jesus in authentic community for the world. And right now we're gathering Sundays online uh, to worship together and to open up scripture together. And then after that, we have virtual house gatherings that meet all over our city. And the great thing about these is that you can actually join in wherever you're listening from. We think these right now are the best way to be known, to connect with others, uh, and to be on mission together. They're also where we pray together on Sundays in smaller communities, where we take communion together and debrief what the talk was about and engage scripture more. If you want to find out more information of how to be a part of one in this season, you can find out more info on our website, mosaicportland.org. Now let's go to scripture together as we listen to this podcast. Today we're concluding the series that we've been doing on uh, living like Christ. What are some of his attributes, some of the things we see in his life that we desire as a church to emulate? And uh, we mentioned so far in the series, reliance on the spirit, uh, gentleness, margins, generosity, forgiveness, unity, you know, just little things. (laughs) And today we're going to finish up that series with talking about justice. Now, today, this uh, Sunday marks a year since Tim and I were up here talking about the very same topic uh, in the wake of the George Floyd Um, incident. And I think it's fitting because of both where we are in a society and as a city and as a country and where we are in this um, sermon series and what a heavy, heavy emphasis there is in the scriptures on justice to end the series with this one. What's interesting to me is that I'm not sure in the last year we have any more clarity about what it means to pursue justice. Um, We're working toward it, we're passionate about it, we care deeply about it, but even um, for myself, who studies the scriptures and justice all the time, I can't believe how much I learned about the topic when I was just preparing to share this with you today. A lot of us have in mind an image of justice that's quite harsh. In fact, I have a quote I found while I was doing deep, deep dive research on Facebook. (laughs) Actually, can I start that again or cut and back? Because I want to read the Bible first. Can we cut or start? I don't care. Cut and go back and just forget about, yeah, can I? Yep, okay, you can figure it out. Oh, that's okay. That's fine. That's fine. What I am going to say is that we don't have much more of an idea, and then I want to start by reading scripture. I can say how how much I've already learned about it, and then I want to read these two passages. Okay? Uh, There are two passages in scripture I want to start with because they're sort of foundational for our understanding as believers. We're all pretty familiar with them, even though they're in the Old Testament. Sorry, jab. Micah 6, 8. He has showed you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. This is in the context of Micah asking, you know, we can bring all these sacrifices, thousands of bulls and rams, but what do you want? And he says, I want you to act justly 
and love mercy and walk humbly with your God. And what surprised me when I was doing this study is that in my mind, this act justly and love mercy were subconsciously um, opposites. I wasn't really aware that I was doing it, but I had like the justice on one side and the mercy, the gentleness of mercy on the other. And when I started to look at other scriptures that talk about um, justice, that dichotomy, that separation, that idea that these two are opposites had to go. Um, let me, because I love Deuteronomy, let me lead you to another verse, Deuteronomy 6, 19 and 20, and this is in the context of uh, justice even as we think of it in our culture. Like, how do we decide disputes between neighbors? Who, how do our judges act? And he says, do not pervert justice or show partiality. Right here he's talking about that human tendency to favor someone who is stronger and in a, is in a position that it would benefit you to favor um, and maybe ignore the plight of someone who is vulnerable. So do not pervert justice or show partiality. Do not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the righteous. Follow justice and justice alone so that you may live and possess the land the Lord your God is giving you. Like, do this and I'll let you live. Like, this is, this is the thing we're to aspire to, just like Micah says. The interesting feature about this verse, and this goes into all kinds of scholarly things, um, but I'm just going to throw it out there. You'll notice there's some color in the verse up there. Do not pervert justice. Uh, and then it twists the words of the righteous, follow justice and justice alone. The word for righteous at the end of verse 19 and the justice and justice alone, those two words are the same words. Justice and righteousness are linked so closely together in scripture that they usually either occur in pairs or sometimes they're used uh, interchangeably for the same concept. To be just is to be righteous is to be like God. That's how deeply he holds um, this issue. And that was kind of challenging for me because like I mentioned in the Micah one, I'm like, these are a little bit separate. One is hard and one is gentle. Um, we're going to talk about that more in a little bit. First thing we're going to talk about though is what we think justice is. Then we're going to talk about what scripture um, affirms again and again and again is the overarching theme of justice that God wants us to carry out. And then we're going to talk about why that matters. Why, why do we need to understand that? Beyond the simple fact that life just isn't fair and there's always going to be room for pursuing justice. I found a quote on Facebook and it stuck out to me um, because it was the third time in one week uh, that someone had either spoken to me about what I was going to preach on on Sunday, and I said, you know, justice, and they went, oh, like Jesus at the temple with the money changers. And I was like, I guess so. Uh, anyway, it was the third time I saw that reference. And I think what this shows, um, this quote that I'm about to read, 
is that we have an idea of justice that's very similar to what mine was when I started reading Micah and getting ready for this sermon, and that is that there's this harsh edge to it. So this is from the AND campaign. Um, either that, they're called Love and Truth. I couldn't quite tell from the ad, and of course, as a scholar, I want to cite everything. But it says, Jesus overturning tables in the temple doesn't justify your tendency to treat people who voted differently with contempt and to hurl insults on social media. You can pursue social justice and moral order tenaciously without being quarrelsome and insolent. Now, why I, while I heartily agree with this statement, <laughs> good job, I'm actually using this um, quote to point out that it is a really common thing in our culture to think of the hard side of justice, the part where Jesus got really angry or um, more of an aggressive view of justice. Now, let me pause here for just a minute so that I'm really clear. When I say that we're gonna talk about what we think justice is, and then in a minute I'm gonna switch to what the Bible tells us justice is as required from us, I could make it sound like they're two totally separate things. And I'm not intending that. There is a picture in scriptures, many pictures, of justice having a sharp, sharp bite. Um, in fact, remember I told you a minute ago that justice, the word, and righteousness are so closely linked, we'll go over that again in just a minute, that they can be used interchangeably. Like, that's mind-blowing to me. Justice and judgment can also be the same word in Hebrew. So there is this harsh side. In fact, there's this picture in the Old Testament that kind of um, summarizes this for me. I remember the first time I understood it, I just hadn't seen a picture like that, which is why I remember it. In Zechariah uh, chapter one, uh, God shows up to Zechariah and he wants Israel to know the exile's over, the punishment's over, I care about what happened to you and I'm gonna vindicate you. You were really, really hurt and I'm gonna make things right. And the way he describes that is he shows Zechariah a vision and it's a vision of four horses because there's a north, south, east, and west and they're all going to different parts of the world and looking about, they're kind of scouting things out and they come back to God and he says, what did you find? And they say, everything is peaceful and quiet. And you'd think, well, I think like, yay! Every world peace dream just got solved. And so in other words, I'm saying, I think of this as a really good thing. All is peaceful and quiet, but God's response to that is anger. How could it be peaceful and quiet when my people have been so deeply hurt? I'm coming down to take vengeance because the nations are not. So that part, that harsh bite of protection and righting what has been wronged is very, very real in scripture. It is. But what we are over and over and over again called to is the other side of that justice, the part that is associated all throughout scripture, not just with righteousness, but with love and compassion. Um, I'm gonna use a 
fallacy, that's a, a, um, an incorrect presentation, but if you take it out of the scholarly realm and just keep this in the back of your mind, the words that uh, justice are used with, I mentioned love and compassion, the word for compassion is actually rooted this is where it's kind of a fallacy because it can mean something totally separate than what it's rooted in. But I find it fascinating. It's rooted in the word for a woman's womb. It's that beautiful, tender compassion. Um, uh, you just picture everything gracious and maternal. The word for love that it's often used with is this famous one that you'll hear, people might not know any Hebrew, but they'll know the word chesed because it means loving kindness and faithfulness. Um, these are the context. Let me read two of these verses to you. These two verses, um, they demonstrate that, well, they're in poetry. And what happens when words are in poetry is that things are stated and then restated to drive home a point. So when you see one of your, your, your themes, you look at all the ways that this word is surrounded. So it's building a more colorful picture by giving all the words it can think of that envelop this theme, this theme of justice. So in Hosea 2.19, when he's talking to Israel about bringing them back to himself, he says, I'll betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice and in love and compassion. In Hosea 12.6, he puts it on Israel. You return to me, you must return to your God Maintain love and justice and wait for your God always. So again, now I get so excited. Hold on. I'm going to tell you more what justice is in just a second. I'm couching it right now in love and compassion. But at the very end, we're going to talk about why this is important. And I just want you to notice really quickly that God says he's going to do something righteousness and justice to Israel, so therefore he wants them to do something, walk in righteousness uh, and love and justice, which is really cool. Okay, so what does the Bible say it looks like? Justice looks like dignity. If you remember a year ago, this is what we talked about. It looks like understanding that there is dignity bestowed on every sim single human